Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. We did it. We got past the spooky holiday um, together. I was a little bit worried there. People were talking about the uh, skeleton the skeleton brigade that was going to come and get us all. Uh, you know, our last episode was past the spooky. Was it? What day is it? What is the date? What's the current date? It's November 12th. Yeah. So that's what they said is the, the skeleton brigade uh, didn't vanish when the sun came up on November 1st. Like they were supposed to, they hung around for a couple extra days uh-huh. as like, and that was their sneak attack strategy. Okay. Um, so I wanted to give every, I wanted to tell everybody now in case you're the first to hear it from us is that we're in the clear and yeah. the skeleton brigade has died. And mm-hmm. we lived through it, and the casualties were very limited. So no need to fear. Um, we also made it past David Schwimmer's birthday. We got past David Schwimmer's birthday. That one's got skeletons of its own, if you know what I'm saying, <laughs> in a closet. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is wonderful. This is a yes. show where we talk about things that we like, and also it's the show where we forget what the date is by a pretty dramatically wide margin. <laughs> and it's also a show where I ask uh, my wife, Rachel, if she has any uh, small wonders that she's been thinking about. Disney so Plus. Disney Plus, Rachel says. Interesting. It does have all of them on it, huh? And by all of it, I mean all media properties that exist so in the world. Disney did this smart thing where they started slowly dripping things off of the regular Disney app, which is By where we By smart, get... you mean very cruel, because like Henry's <laughs> been like, no, I want that long Mickey Mouse play clubhouse. And it's like, well, sorry, we can do nothing for you here. Yeah, well, it was smart because I felt such relief today, knowing that I would have access to not just the clubhouse again, but all of the Disney properties I could ever want. They got fucking... I could watch Newsies and The Rocketeer in the yeah. same online platform it is it's very it is very uh it is a very slick thing little uh wild how just sometimes i look at how much stuff i have on there and i go that's actually too much i don't love that they got simpsons and they have everything it's like it turns out they own everything it turns out they do own everything nobody realized it until just now well i think people realized it but this was the first time that you've i don't know we've seen it all in one place all in one big thing but it's like it's like mtv cribs and that we just went to disney's house and we realized that disney has way too many things too many things but that's fine because i want to watch sandlot and flight of the navigator in the same afternoon do not sweat it uh i should have spent that time thinking of a small wonder but i did not you could talk about the movie we saw yeah we went and we saw parasite uh which is uh oh god i can't remember the director's name but he made um he made okja and snowpiercer it's bong joon ho uh, yes, he, uh, yeah, this is his new movie, uh, Parasite, and Rachel and I went to it, we got a babysitter and went to a movie, which is a rare occurrence, but we also didn't know anything about the movie, no, which is a super No, we watched the trailer, which was not particularly revealing. No, yeah, um, and saw it, and it was fucking great, and very, like, um, very like difficult to get up and use the bathroom during because it was so entertaining and so funny and also like very 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 stress causing like uh you could do like a whole series just on griffin uses the bathroom during x movie yeah i'm i'm the best there is at what i do yeah that was a good one that that is uh it's amazing to me how fast you get in and out too yeah, well, I you do know, you unzip in the lobby. I pee right in my pants. I don't unzip at all. 
I just need a private little corner. Oh, you need to, private space? Yeah, so I don't even actually leave the theater room. I just sort of go in the corner where the trash can lives. <laughs> uh, I go first this week. Okay. My first thing, and I'm I'm pulling the like ripcord a little bit fast here because I am going to start with the holiday-themed topics. Ooh. My first thing is, and there's a few different names for it, so I'm going to say just sort of generally speaking, the holiday toy catalog. <gasps> the uh whatever you might call it the kb uh yeah. toys catalog did you see the, that amazon one we got uh i didn't see that we got it i have i have it here to talk about it but i i learned today that they are sort of filling in the gap now that kb toys and toys r us are both gone which is still like we got a hard copy of that thing oh that's so wild i'll have mm-hmm. to take a look at it so this this has been a thing for like a very very long time like the, the shopping catalogs like date back to the you know, probably late 19th century, like people figured out, like, especially Sears came in in the in the 20s and 30s and sort of made it what it is today. But Toys R Us and KB, I keep saying KB, KB's offering was like, it was fine. I think I'm, we got it in the newspaper for the most part. And it was a few pages and you got what you needed to get out of it. But the Toys R Us one was like a fucking phone book full of just just present opportunities in it. Yeah, would you guys like go through and circle and and It was I I never received mail in the mailbox when I was a child. Yeah. And so when I got this thing that came in the mail that like was kind of for me, uh yeah, hell yeah, we would go through it and circle <laughs> it and like get wild about it. Uh it was so exciting to get those these just like novella sized advertisements for uh you know stuff that a a lot of the times it would take two passes for me because i would go through the catalog adding to my my christmas list which i think i've talked a, a bit before about like how uh we were not really a family that uh i didn't have like weird expendable child income like my (laughs) uh my allowance i don't think i got an allowance until i was like in eighth grade and it was like five bucks a month so like if i wanted something like i you know saved up or uh like if i wanted a video game i would have to trade in a bunch of shit at babbage's like that was until it got to the point where i had like one game left because i just (laughs) funneled all of my funds all my assets into like Game Boy Camera or something like that. Boy, that's heartbreaking. Boy, some of those games are worth a lot of money these days. Um, and so like the holidays were like uh, obviously exciting for many reasons, but like the, this, the the like crass commercialism will really, really hit home with me. Um, <laughs> well, and-, and if you think about it, this is like, this is before the internet. Yes. So if you were to know about a a toy, it was on a TV commercial for a program you watched or in an actual physical catalog. Right, exactly. And I was also not the kind to like keep wish lists. And so it's kind of like fun yeah. just to make a wish list, right? Um, and so I would go through the Toys R Us big toy book and, you know, circle a bunch of stuff. And then I would have to take a second pass where I say like... Or my mom would say, like, okay, so I see that you've circled this, like, game, this tic-tac-toe game that you throw the beanbags at. Do you really want that? And I was like, no. <laughs> no, I just saw that, and I got very excited. Um, and so I did circle it. Uh, I just, they were this beautiful treasure trove of, of toy opportunities. Uh, and uh, there's video games in the books, too. Like, don't even get me started on that. Like, I would have to, I would do the video games part first. Because obviously it's a bigger investment and Santa Claus only has so much to to drop on each uh, of the three of us. And so, you know, I didn't want to 
you circle a bunch of garbage and then make it to the Super Nintendo page and be like, oh, shit, there's so much good stuff in here. I'm bringing out my phone because I definitely went through the Amazon catalog and made a list of things that Henry might like. Oh, okay. What are Um, we talking about here? So there's an Avengers play trunk. Where you can, there's, it comes with like four costumes. Oh my God. For, that you can dress as a for a little For a little guy? Yeah. For like a little, little guy? Yeah. So Ooh, it's that's like, good. it's like Iron Man's in there. And it's all the ones that he doesn't have. That's mm-hmm. fun. I, I do think that you are missing something with the Amazon one and that there's not a store that we can like go to, to like, you know, see this stuff firsthand once we've. That's true. Uh, you know. That's true. But some of it, like the Pokemon battle action figures, eight pack. Ooh. He's going to be about it. He's going to be very, very about that, yes. Um, I wanted to point out another thing that's great about them is now, 2019, I can go back and look at them, and they are like little time capsules. They are like little, uh, like this was the only, uh, video games especially, but to a lesser extent toys were like the pop cultural thing that I cared about growing up in middle school and, and, and high school and college and now. Uh, and so like I, I went back and like when I was researching this, I looked at the 1996 Toys R Us holiday catalog. Which How did it, you find this, by the way? There are some scans on it, like archive.org, like the government oh. archive has a, a couple of them. Uh, I saw I found a couple on Reddit that I wish there, there was a place that I could find that had like all of them. Like uh, yeah. I want the Library of Congress to like have all of them. <laughs> uh, 1996 Toys R Us ho- holiday catalog included launch Nintendo 64, the Sega Saturn, PlayStation with Crash Bandicoot and Twisted Metal 2, Sega Genesis was still on there, Super Ooh. Nintendo with Donkey Kong Country was on there, Game Boy and Game Boy Pocket, Game Gear, Tamagotchi and Gigapets. Like what an era. What a fucking year though. What a yeah. good book that was. Uh, it's, it's, oh, oh, 1994, I had, uh, I was reminded of the Dr. Dreadful's Food Lab. I saw that in the the big toy book. I was like, gotta have that. And I did get it. And I made like one thing (laughs) and it was like foamy worms. And it's like, oh, that sucks shit, Dr. Dreadful. Yeah, I never got into that gross thing of like, hey, here's a toy that's really gross and you want to do it just because it's a gross thing. Right. I mean, I did have GAC, uh, which I guess sort of is in that same vein. Uh, I didn't, we didn't really party on too many, uh, that's not true, we didn't, we never had like an easy bake oven around the house, but we did have the two, there's one that you could melt like uh, little rubber uh, things in and you could mold them into like spiders and like spooky shapes, but then they had one where you could melt down little ball bearing, like lead-like things into a sort of mercurial substance that you could then like mold into... Uh, yeah, super fucking dangerous, <laughs> but you could make like race cars and little pewter wizards and shit like that. Okay. Like, uh, I forget what that was called. Somebody on the Facebook group is probably going to remind me because they, you know, still have theirs and use it every day today. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, gosh, yeah, I just flipped through it in like 1999, the Pokemon Pikachu virtual pet pedometer came out. You know, that was on Wait, my list. pedometer? Yeah, it was like a little, like a gigapet, but it was like a pedometer. So you would charge up Pikachu by walking and then you could like, I think you could also like catch stuff and transfer it to the game uh because the game boy color came out this year uh darth maul's double-edged lightsaber like oh. all these things were like a high pry uh these are, I, I like it now because they're like little time capsules but back in the day they were just like dream encyclopedia in encyclopedias and uh yeah it, doing this this uh this segment really made me miss 
Toys R Us and, uh, and, and KB. It really breaks my heart. Genuinely not goof time. Like we have great toy stores here in Austin that are like independently owned and rad and we go to them like all of the time. Yeah. But there was something sort of like magical about uh, going to going to Toys R Us when you were a kid. And there was something really fun about taking Henry when he was like a little, little yeah. kid. Uh, but we only got to do that at an age where he was like old enough to know what was going on like once or twice. And now uh-huh. it's gone. Makes me sad. Yeah. So what's your first thing? My first thing. Should we talk about the fact that you have a desk right now? I have a table now. So Griffin invested some time into his office. Yeah. And bought some new furniture to kind of arrange things appropriately. And he got me a little table to put my little beverage and my phone and my little paper on. I thought you would be excited about I it. I am very excited about it. You look like Conan O'Brien over there. You look so natural <laughs> behind a desk. You look so good. Thank you. I think. No, I... I've never been compared to Conan O'Brien. That's a flat, I mean, not physically. (laughs) You're the opposite of Conan O'Brien physically. Yeah, I am the opposite of him in a lot of ways. (laughs) What is your first thing? My first thing is brie. Brie the cheese. The cheese brie. Oh, this is, yes, babe. Mm -hmm. Hell yes. When you think of your first experience with fancy cheese, Mm. isn't it always brie? It's always, always brie. Because it was the fancy, fancy cheese that they sold. It was like, I think when you're in the cheese aisle at the the, the yeah. Kroger's or whatever, it's like, here's that sliced orange shit that I know so well, and here's the craft Singles. And then like, brie is the first, yeah. it's the first little like uh, lily pad that you get in the yeah. fancy cheese pond that you can step onto. I feel like I remember, I feel like I had brie at somebody's house when I was like in high school and it like blew my mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was so scared. I, now, here's the thing I didn't know then, and I still will confess to not really You knowing. can eat it. Moving on. <laughs> was that really your question? Let's continue. <laughs> okay. Let's continue the segment. Um, hey, Bree's been around for a really long time. <laughs> and I was doing research to figure out the origin of Bree. Yeah. The little anecdote that I saw over and over again was in 774. That's way too early. The French Emperor Charlemagne was traveling through this area in north central France and stopped in this place where the monks were. Okay. And they had really good cheese and he liked it so much and he wanted it delivered to his castle. Okay. So that's like, obviously nobody knows if that's like the origin of Brie, but it's like this little anecdote from 774. That's a really long time ago for us to know where a cheese came from. That's so much earlier than Takis. That's way earlier. Oh, God. Why wasn't that my small wonder? That should have been your small wonder. Ugh, we just started eating Takis. We watched the uh, Bon Appetit making Takis They should video. sell them in smaller bags. They need to sell them like a carton of, like a pack of cigarettes. Because nobody, yeah, nobody can eat more That's than two or three 20, at a time. Just 20 Takis in like a little travel pack that yes. I can take with me. I think I could probably eat 20 of those throughout the day. But today I ate five of them within like a five minute span and it put me on the <laughs> ground crawling to the toilet. So, so <laughs> anyway, brie. cheese, brie. Uh-huh. Most people probably know brie is the soft, creamy cheese, mm. uh, and it's got a rind around it. Um, a lot of people, and a lot of people don't know this, you can <laughs> eat that rind, folks. Don't worry about it. Here's here's what might make you not want to eat it, but this should not be a deterrent, but that white rind around it mm. is actually mold growth. Yeah, babe, that makes me <laughs> wicked not want to eat that extremely much. The the rind breaks down the fats and proteins of the cheese, making it creamy and, and runnier, but it's um it's edible. 
Um, I mean, if you think if you think about, you know, bacteria, and you know all the ways you eat bacteria in your regular life, I, 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 I don't think about that traditionally <laughs> very much. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't eat the rind, but like in you know French culture, it is customary. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so. French brie, if you are in France, the brie is made from unpasteurized cow's milk. Oh. But it can't be imported into the United States because cheeses made with raw milk must be aged at least 60 days to qualify for U.S. importation. And the average aging time for brie is one to three months. So by the time... Oh, I see. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Like by the time it hit the 60 days, it would have already have been ripened for potentially well past its its prime in okay. France. So what they do here is they make versions out of pasteurized whole and skim milk. Um, but apparently it has a milder flavor. Oh, I bet. Oh, I bet. Yeah. Give me that unpasteurized shit. Give me that. I know what I just said about the not wanting to eat the solid mold rind, <laughs> but now I'm a dirty monster and I want that slime. I want that garbage <laughs> slime all over my soft cheese. Uh, I definitely, well, I don't want to say definitely, but when I went to France, I did when have brie. When I went to, when I, <laughs> when I went to France all day like this, <laughs> tell me about it. Go ahead and tell them. Say, hey, pronounce croissant. Do it how you do it. What? Uh, oh, do you mean croissant? Uh, <laughs> uh, I don't remember the brie being particularly better. Brie oh, is good. Okay. Brie is good wherever it is. I don't remember thinking like, oh, this brie is so much better. Yeah, fair. Every, everything I had in France was delicious. So I don't remember like, oh, man, this is so much better. Especially the... Um, thing about brie, it's a pricier cheese. Oh, yeah. I went onto the HEB website just to see like, how much is brie? So like, if you want to block a cheddar, it's like $3 a pound. But like brie will run you like at least $8. A pound. Shit. It's a pricey experience. I'll just get a lot of cheddar and let it get super old. <laughs> so it'll turn we'll, into brie. Well, we'll get softer though, unfortunately. <sighs> Parts. Uh, yeah. So when you get brie, you're supposed to leave it out for like an hour. So it gets that kind of warm, soft meltiness. Right. Uh, and then you're good to go. And, but it, you know, it'll only last for like a week or so after you, you slice <laughs> in there. Around me, it's going to last about two minutes because I'm going to eat it. I'm so fucking bad. What about Takis and Brie? What about Takis and Brie? <laughs> you could, and I always think about this, looking at these little guys. They are essentially long, hollow combos with the yeah. white, with just lunatic flavoring. Yeah. So if you could just sort of <laughs> stuff the inside oh, of those with, with brie. brie. Yeah. And then you can just sort of like stand over an open grave. And that way when you eat it, it can be really convenient for your loved ones because like the whole sort of procession is going to be like right there for you. Uh, it's hard for me to know with brie if I just like it because of the taste or if I like it because it's like the first fancy cheese I had. Mm. And like anytime I eat it, I feel fancy. Uh, we keep saying first fancy cheese. I don't think you and I are necessarily like cheese heads. No. Like, I don't think we... No, it's just like the first cheese I had that wasn't like cheddar or Swiss. Yeah, or that's Provolone, fair. You know, wasn't like a cheese I could find on a Subway sandwich. <laughs> mm, they probably fucked around with that at some point. Um, oh, with apples, with a slice of green, a thin green apple slice oh, yeah. with brie on it. Oh my God. When I was at the airport uh, in Washington, D.C., 
I got a sandwich that had like brie and cranberries on it. And I basically just ordered it because there was oh, brie yeah. on it. And it was incredible. So good. So good. And Brie Larson, yeah. uh, Room, Captain Marvel, Scott Pilgrim. What a talent. Mm-hmm. What a talent. What a talented uh, uh, Hollywood star. Just mm-hmm. phenomenal work. Also covered in mold. Also, and she won't tell you this in any of those uh, interviews on <laughs> Entertainment Weekly, like she won't be like talking to Mario Lopez and be like, by the way, I'm also covered in a thick rind of mold. Mm-hmm. But um, where do you think she got the name? <laughs> hey, uh, can I steal you away? Please. Griffin? Yeah. You know, it's a shame. What? Is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? (laughs) It's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. (laughs) Factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, There's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? (laughs) Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters. With I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, that I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain can i read you this next personal message Yes, I almost spit my, I thought it would be funny if I spit the water out that I was drinking. Like, well, personal mess. This message is for Lauren. It is from Jeremy. Hi, Lauren. I love you bundles. Jeremy, not Griffin and Rachel, but I'm sure they also love you, but in a cool friend way. I know things are scary with us finishing our degrees and applying to grad school, but I know you'll do amazing. Knowing you for the past three years has made my life so full of joy. You're my favorite bear friend, love, shark. Parentheses, Jeremy. Jeremy, 
You can't tell me who to love, Jeremy. Yeah. You can't tell me how to love, Jeremy. Lauren sounds great. So and great. I'm on board. Unlike Jeremy, who is a shark, apparently, and those are the sharp fish with monster teeth. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am nervous about you teaching our son sometimes. <laughs> well, they're great animals, mm-hmm. and, I, and they uh, they get a bad rap. But at the end of the day, and let's not get it twisted, they are the sharp fish with monster teeth. We Maybe that's why things are scary, not because they're finishing their degrees, but because, because of the shark. Jeremy is a shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I have another message. This one's for Mike, and it's from Haley, who says, hello, my dude. Thanks for being a V-cool oldest brother and always introducing me to the best games, music, those good, good McElroys, and indirectly, the best partner, John, you're the supreme champion of bros. Smoke a breezy. <laughs> Can you see it? I've got goosebumps. What do you think that means, smoke a breezy? Does it matter? It's a very powerful, it is a, it is a, it's like a Dovahkiin just sort of power word. I feel yeah, like I somebody saw. Somebody came up to me at a party and said, hey, you want to go outside and smoke a breezy? I, I would say, say I yes. I don't know what that means. I, but the, yes. the answer is going to be yes. Yes. Hello, I'm Mujan Safagari, and I play a bunch of characters on Mission to Zix, an improvised science fiction podcast on Maximum Fun, and this is our incredible sound designer, Shane. Hello. Now, Shane makes it possible for me to play a thousand billion characters in our galaxy. Such as the Bajarian Jane, Ship of the Stars. And the Enforcer Joy, prepare to eat pancakes. And wait, let's get dusted up, baby. And Emissary Turk Madikin. Hey, I just got out of their amp. And the horrible life! Oh, also there are five other cast members, and I'll give them just all a second to say hi. Uh, hello. Yeah, that's enough. Okay, so the season finale of Mission to Six is coming out next week, so it's the perfect time to dive in and catch up with our intrepid crew as they explore the Six Quadrant. So give us a listen to Mission to Six on Maximum Fun. Can I hear your second thing? My second thing is music. It's a music one. And it's going to be a quick one because I'm fairly new uh, to this band. Uh, They are called Hopalong. And uh, surprise, surprise, I found them on Spotify. And the reason I wanted to talk to them is because... uh, Talk to them. I'd like to talk to them. Just Bring them in, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I want to talk about them because like, I have been listening to them in a way that I do not listen to that many artists and it's like a really special thing for me when I do find it and it's that I can just put on their whole discography on some sort of streaming platform and just let it ride and not like constantly have to dip into skip songs and not have to constantly like micromanage my listening experience I can just put it on and play it and I think that speaks to the fact that uh, A. Hopalong is a very good band and B. that like they're super fucking consistent and uh, a lot of their songs are just just really really great. Uh, uh, Hopalong is an indie rock band that formed in the early aughts uh, and it was originally a solo freak folk project according to in, uh, wikipedia from their singer guitarist francis quinlan uh, and they have gone in a different direction since then which is good because i don't know what freak solo freak folk is i don't either i was hoping you would uh i would imagine it's sort of more psychedelic in nature but now it is yeah. a, now it is a more sort of straight-laced uh very clever indie rock uh and it's like it's very much like checking a lot of the boxes of things that i'm into uh there's like that sort of super clean guitar sound like a like a pavement uh and it also the uh quinlan's vocals are very like run on sentency in a way that like really really reminds me of of pavement and that's a very very flattering comparison i feel like because i adore that band 
there's like there's big Rilo Kylie energy radiating out of these songs, which is a, a very very welcome energy to find in in any artist. Um, and yeah, the, the, the first thing that caught my ear when I was listening to this band, when it popped up on a, a, like the Spotify weekly playlist was Francis Quinlan's voice because like, holy shit, uh, it is, it is wild. I could go on, but I, I'm, I'm going to play, uh, one of the songs off their 2015 album, uh, Painted Shut. And this song is called The Knock. is so wild it's so wild i remember when i talked about regina specter i talked about like how i like a vocalist who can go in all of these like yeah conjure up all of these different sort of like ways of singing and like this the uh the speed with which like she goes from the sort of more breathy quiet sing-songy voice to like that that awesome like wail that yeah. awesome fucking like scream voice is like so radical it reminds me of when i brought mia follick that one yeah day. yeah yeah i thought i i also yeah. had that thought when i was uh listening to them today it's unbelievable it's got like this like tom waits like meets tommy pickles sort of timbre to it Whoa. i know it's a weird comparison but i heard it and I, <laughs> like that's where i went but i and i don't know if that sounds flattering or not but uh it's it's it's, it's she has a fantastic voice uh pitchfork reviewed that album uh painted shut which is probably my favorite of their albums go like if you're gonna listen just listen to that one front to back you will not regret it uh in their review of that album the writer remarked that she quote sings in the wild voice of someone casting out demons or having the demon cast out of them uh, which I, I really, really like. I don't know how you sing like, like uh, my throat is a little bit raw just from, you know, life. And I'm about to go on the road and I tell uh, butt jokes for an hour <laughs> a night. I don't know how you do that on a stage. You and do then, a like, fair amount of loud talking, though. I would say there is a little bit of screaming uh, when you are on stage. I, I, I guess that's fair. Um, I don't really have much else to talk about because I did I did just kind of discover them. So I don't really have any like anecdotes about how I. Uh, I also listened to a whole album uh, on U- on YouTube today, and I don't remember which one it was, but I found myself just like very comfortable, just like riding right? on and just like riding it out. It's so, and and that is such a like. Uh, I guess that's like the anecdote for me is like I can count on two hands the number of albums that I can like do that with, or the yeah. number of artists that I can do that with. Like, I did that with the Sigrid album. Sigrid, yes, mm-hmm. I can. I can just let that one play. Uh, there's a couple like Andrew Bird albums that I can just uh, Armchair Apocrypha. I can just li- listen to that front to back and just like ride it out. And yeah. some of the songs blend into the background. But in like a super pleasant way but i'm never like oh this uh skip this track uh get yeah it, get and like all their songs are like that which is really fantastic and a real i think a, a, a really tremendous feat you can't um, get better than that cell when griffin told me he was like oh hey i think you might like this band it's like a combination of pavement and rilo kylie i was like oh okay, oh, well, here i go <laughs> I'm, I'm bought in uh yeah i'm gonna uh, stop now but i'm gonna leave uh off with one last song it's off of their most recent album bark your head off dog uh and it's called how simple uh, and I don't know. I just really that that Rilo Kylo Rilo Kylo energy <laughs> is is really strong with this one. And uh, yeah, here's how simple. Ooh, hey, we 
Hey, what's your second thing? My second thing yeah. is a trip. Oh. <gasps> to the poetry corner. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, baby, I hear the poetry. No. no. Boom, 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 boom. My baby, I hear the poetry. <laughs> I think you said toss verse and scrambled rhymes last time, I feel like. Well I'll, well, I'll just cut and paste it from the last episode. You used to do I'll like a, do an, an original, like like jazz composition. Okay, let me try again. Okay. We built this city okay. on poetry. <laughs> That's beautiful. I can't really argue with that. You really hit that note. <sighs> Thank you. What uh, what poem are we talking about today? Got some Shel Silverstein? No. Fuck. Uh, Louise Glick. Oh, all right. You know. Related to Jiminy Glick, the hysterical Martin Short character. This is a hard segment to do with you sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I cut you off because that's exactly what you're about to say next. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Louise Glick is a well-celebrated poet. Uh, she has been a poet laureate. In 2003, she received the Pulitzer Prize uh, for her book, The Wild Iris, in 1992. And in 2014, she won a National Book Award for her book, Faithful and Virtuous Night. That's like the trifecta, I imagine. Yeah, there aren't really too many more awards out there (laughs) for you. Uh, So she um, released her first collection in 1968 when she was 25 years old. Uh, but lately her, her big thing is teaching. So she has taught at Goddard college, university of Iowa, Williams college, and now Yale university. Um, this is pretty common for poets, uh, cause it's difficult to make a living as a poet. Right. (laughs) Um, but if you are able to teach, you know, creative writing or, or literature courses, you can, you can do okay. And then you're constantly in the community. And that's one thing that Louise Glick said is that once she began teaching, it was so much easier for her to write, yeah. you know, cause she was in this community of like-minded people all being creative together. And that's when she was able to re- release a whole, whole bunch of books. Uh, I like her a lot because she is maybe, uh, Maybe the most unsentimental poet. Oh. <laughs> um, a lot of the poets I've brought to Poetry Corner kind of paint these like beautiful nostalgic pictures right. of like childhood and relatable experiences. That is not her. Okay. Um, her first book in particular, she came across as very angry and alienated. Um, which I think was a little unsettling for some critics, but she's also very original and and skilled in her approach. And so I think it kind of gave her a shot and she kind of continues to be very intense and straightforward, um, but she's so precise and clear in what she's saying um, that it's not like a downer. It's not like you read these poems that have these kind of complex concepts uh, and feel bummed. Right. Um, and so I found one that is a, a little complex, um, but I just, it really stuck with me. Uh, it's called Mother and Child. It's from her book, The Seven Ages, uh, which was her ninth book. It came out in 2001. We're all dreamers. We don't know who we are. Some machine made us, machine of the world, the constricting family. Then back to the world, polished by soft whips. We dream, we don't remember. 
Machine of the family, dark fur, forests of the mother's body, machine of the mother, white city inside her. And before that, earth and water, moss between rocks, pieces of leaves and grass. And before, cells in a great darkness, and before that, the veiled world. This is why you were born, to silence me, cells of my mother and father. It is your turn to be pivotal, to be the masterpiece. I improvised. I never remembered. Now it's your turn to be driven. You're the one who demands to know. Why do I suffer? Why am I ignorant? Cells in a great darkness. Some machine made us. It is your turn to address it, to go back asking, what am I for? What am I for? Yeah, that's a... It's kind of a dark one. Yeah, bud. Yeah, <laughs> pal. It's got some, I, I have no mouth, but I must scream uh, uh, energy to it. That is a, a little <laughs> chilling for this guy. I, um, obviously very unsentimental. Um, I like this thought, though, of just like you spend your whole life kind of obsessed with these big questions and this big sense of purpose. And then you have a child and you're kind of like, now it's your turn. (laughs) I made you and now you are going to make me, you know, irrelevant. (laughs) (laughs) And you're going to take on all the big stuff. Right. Um. And I don't know. I I was hesitant to bring it, but I just found it really powerful. It's a staggering poem. It's extremely good. Yeah. I didn't mean to dismiss it. Uh, It just freaked my bean a little bit. (laughs) Uh, I found this interview with her in 1981 uh, from uh, Columbia, a journal of literature and art. And the interviewer asks her about the darkness of her poems. And she says, you know, of course, I go through stages in which I'm unhappy, but I don't feel that I'm a terrifically unhappy person. I'm certainly not as unrelievedly black in my moods as the poems would suggest. But I suppose poems come out of your ultimate views. And I suppose I feel that human life is tragic. Uh, In a question period after one of her readings, somebody said, your poems are so sad. She said, yes, I know. I don't feel like I write out of despair. I think my drive is towards uh, psychological complexity. I ask myself, have I gotten deep enough? Have I seen something in its full complication? The yes and no being said at the same time. Jesus. It's very academic. Yeah. Very, very like intellectual. Uh, and, you know, kind of takes to task like, you know, William's William Carlos Williams and his red wheelbarrow. Yeah, sure. You know, of just like, hey, go a little deeper there, Williams. <laughs> um, Actually, wait a minute. This wheelbarrow sucks. <laughs> One day this wheelbarrow is going to fall apart. Fuck this wheelbarrow. Wait, I'm in this wheelbarrow and I'm going off of a cliff. Oh, oh no. Uh, I, I like that there's room, you know, there's room for this yeah, kind of poet. Sure. And there's room for Williams. Uh, Louise Glick is is a heavier lady, and she's taking these kind of really um, what can be dark concepts. But she's saying like, "Hey, poetry matters, and this yeah. stuff matters, and I want to do something that is you know complicated and and intense." It's badass. Uh, and I like I man, if this is this is the kind of poet that if I met her, I would be super intimidated. Oh, like, yeah. I can't imagine being a student in her class and turning in a poem. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> hey, I went to the grocery store and there was a kid there and they had a balloon, and she'd be like, uh. 
All right. Okay. First of all, I don't <laughs> think that you would write a poem like that. Um. Yeah, I think I think it must it must be challenging to work with her, but I think it also probably these people in her class probably produce their best work yeah. ever because oh she God, is yes. she is pushing hard, mm-hmm. and I think it's important. Uh, do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes. Uh, Savannah says, I think it's wonderful when the cashier uh, finishes ringing up your groceries. You see that big number and then it starts ticking down as all the sales and coupons are applied. Sometimes it goes for so long the cashier will comment on how much I'm saving. What a rush. <laughs> Hell yeah, Savannah. Ride that shit. Now, Secrefin, I feel like you hate coupons. Um, no, I enjoy them. I don't, uh, not to the extent where I will like go out of my way to do them, but if I'm, I'm big like, on coupons, man, it works for me. If I'm at HEB or something like that and they have the little like yellow ticket guys, I will yeah. like gleefully like take one of them down and, and be overjoyed about mm-hmm. it. I do like the surprise coupon too, where like you didn't know or you didn't realize that, you know, when you buy two heads of lettuce, why did I say that? There's very rarely sales on lettuce. (laughs) And when are we ever getting two heads of lettuce? (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have a big sandwich party, folks. Uh, Josh says, my small wonder is getting into a cold bed and feeling it warm up over time until it's a cozy temperature. Sometimes I'll even put my blankets under the open window to cool them down before getting into bed. Oh, my God. This is my favorite. We just, we last night just threw the comforter on. Yeah, we got out the big old comforter. Because our bed was so chilly. It was so nice. It was so good. I did wake up at like 5 a.m. absolutely a puddle um, (laughs) and had to deal with that. But uh, everything up to that point was super cozy and good. God, I like that. It's like the only thing about winter that I'm a a big big fan (laughs) of. Uh, Hey, thank you to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our uh, theme song, Money Won't Pay. You can find a link to that in the episode description. Uh, and thanks to Maximum Fun for having us on the network. Go to MaximumFun.org. Uh, check out all the great shows there. They got shows like Mission to Zix and Beef and Dairy Network and... And One Bad Mother. And... And Flophouse. And Flophouse. And all that is at MaximumFun.org. We got other stuff at McElroy.Family. Uh, about to go on tour in the Midwest. Come see us uh, for... Mabim Bam and some of them shows. I think we still have tickets in Milwaukee. If you live in Milwaukee, hey, please come see us. It'd be great to see you. We're playing the Riverside Theater. It's a beautiful venue. And when Griffin says us, he means him. I do mean me, but we're going to be doing a live show at Candle Nights. Although that's sold out. It's sold out. So eat our shorts, everybody. (laughs) Um, And I think that's it. So um, love, peace, and taco grease, everybody. You know what I mean? It's this has been Guy Fieri presents. Isn't that what he says? I don't know. I think he says love, peace and something grease. I mean, it sounds right to well, me. And I only know because there was a mural of it on the those words on the wall of his short lived Times Square restaurant. <laughs> what did <laughs> it you say? Did go to love, peace and something grease. What was the thing? It may have just said guy grease. Oh, was it polar fleece? Love, grease. <laughs> On my polar fleece. <laughs> Guy Fieri's youngest niece. It <laughs> oh. got sweet at the end.
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.